0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: guys in the right mood right from the get go. So that's why we started off with a theme song for Star Trek Discovery, because guess what we're going to be talking about tonight? That's right. Star mm-hmm. Trek Discovery episode two, Far From Home. Now we are a week behind, guys, but and that's by intention. So don't you worry, you're on the right show. You got the right time. So welcome to another episode of Trek Talking. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. And with me as usual are my awesome co-hosts, and we'll start off with Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How you doing tonight, Charles? Oh,
2: I'm doing good. We got some great news here in Vegas. Four, five. We are finally having a okay. nice temperature. We're down in the we've been down the seventies, eighties. Man,
1: we're so done with those 90s. Wow. That's cool. And, uh, well, we're having snow here in Vermont. We're supposed to get three to six inches, and I think Leslie started snowing up in Saranac Lake last night for Leslie, so she's already got the snow. So we're going to have a white Halloween. Figure that out. And uh, we also have with us Char, or Eric. Eric is out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric?
3: I am doing very well. We are having a very beautiful day here in Portland. It's uh, probably in the 60s, lower 60s, and it's been sunny, blue sky. Just kind of a nice fall day, not too breezy. Kids playing basketball across the street from my house here. So I am just really enjoying the day and excited to do another episode of Trek Talking.
1: Yeah, so this episode, uh, by the way, we're live. If you're listening to us on Thursday night, that means we are live, 7.30 p.m., Eastern Standard Time, we are live. That means you can call 646-668-2433 and talk with us live and get on the air live. And your your comments will be immortalized for all of eternity in the archives of Trek Talking. So that number, once again, is 646-668-2433. It's Thursday night. We are live. We've been live at 7.30 every Thursday night for the past five years. So put that on your schedule and uh, tune in. If you're listening to us on Odyssey Radio or, or Spotify or iTunes or, or any other great podcast provider, uh, head over to our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond and be part of our Star Trek family. We'd love to have you. We just broke 21,000 followers and we're pushing towards 22,000. Believe it or not, we picked up over 500 followers last week Let's see if we can get 500 more this week And break 21,000 followers That would be awesome Just a little public service announcement Don't forget, spring ahead, fall back That means on Halloween night After you get done trick-or-treating Before you go to bed And after you listen to my podcast with Charles Called The Halloween Spooktacular uh, we'll be playing a lot of creepy Halloween songs and just some general fun stuff. Um, you want to turn your clock back before you go to bed, so don't forget to do that, okay? So, without any further ado, this is where we... Oh, once again, 646 668 I can't say that number enough. We would love to hear from you guys. Before we go too far, though, and start talking about Star Trek Discovery and all the great stuff that we have in mind... We have to go around the numbers. And for that, we turn to Eric. So, Eric, get away.
3: Thanks, Jim. Uh, we love to go around the globe because people from all over the world listen to us. 76% of our listeners come from the United States, where we broadcast from in the uh, what I like to think of it as the triangle of power between Vermont, Portland,
4: and uh, Las Vegas.
3: <laughs> our number one international listener is still uh, having surged uh, all those weeks ago, still Australia, coming in with four point three nine percent of our listeners, which is pretty cool to have so many people listening to us from down under. Uh, in our number two spot, we have the UK from just across the pond here with 3.88% of our listeners holding steady from last week. Ireland is still in that number three spot uh, with 3.56% of our listeners. So if you put those two numbers together, you can say that you know that general region of the world right there is uh, pushing 7-8% of our listeners, which is pretty cool. Uh, in our number four spot this week, the Dark Horse still holding steady and, in fact, surging a few tenths of a percent. Norway with 2.42 now percent of our listeners. That's so cool. It came out of nowhere, and here they are with almost 2.5 percent of our listeners. Love it. Uh, our Canadian brothers and sisters are still in the top five, just barely, with 2.12 percent of our listeners. So thank you so much to all of our international and domestic listeners we love every single one of you, and uh, it really means a lot to us that you download and listen to us live. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, and uh, we, not only do we want to give a shout-out to our top countries, but if you head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond, spell that all out. You'll see the Live Long and, Sim- and Prosper symbol at the top of the page, and uh, just tell us where you're from. Each week, I pick 15 lucky listeners if you find a heart next to your name from truck talking that means you're going to be on the show and what we do is i pick 15 names and each one of us will send out a special thank you to one of our listeners personally from around the globe they may or may not be from the countries listed in the top five you never know and uh, that's what we're going to do now so eric why don't you start out with our fan shouts for us
3: Absolutely. I am so excited about these because we've got some fun descriptors uh, from where people are from here in this list. We'd f- like to give our first fan shout out this week to LaToya Lacasa, who is from the Caribbean, from Jamaica, live in Barbados. I love that description. That's so cool. Thanks for listening to us, LaToya. Uh, we'd also like to thank Dana Ludwig from Zukao in Eastern Germany. It's so awesome to have people from Germany listening to us, too, right there in the center of Europe. Thank you to Cornelia Schultz for listening to us from Germany, somewhere near Cologne. And we got a nice little Live Long and Prosper sign on that one, too. So thank you so much, Cornelia, for listening to us. It really means a lot that uh, people spend their time with us. Hello, and thank you so much also to Sabrina Rosa from Roma, Italy, one of my favorite cities that I have had the fortune to travel to pretty cool place, uh, lots and lots of history there. So thank you, Sabrina Rosa. So nice to have you along. And finally, thank you to, at least in my list, thank you to Kayla Shabri from Maryland here in the United States. Charles, who else is listening to us today? Perhaps okay. we lost Charles. Oops, sorry about <laughs> that.
2: Got to get the mute Oh, party. there he is. Hey, sounds like a zoom meeting.
5: your
2: that's right. Oh <laughs> uh, we've Uh We've got the Parker Post from Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. Frank Taylor from Norfolk, Virginia. I got some family uh north of you. Andy Poke from southern northeast England. Ah Francis Palmer from Eastborough, England. Man, we got the English today. And Maria Morris from Ireland. Man, Jim got me in that continent quite a bit.
1: (laughs) And I'll wrap up our fan shout-outs for this week. I'd like to say hello and a huge thank you to Mark Corpel from Crawley, UK. From Louise Julius Seymour in Scotland, where my grandfather came from. Jamie Martinez right here from California, U.S. of A. And we'd like to say hello and thank you to Mark Raymond. I'm from Sydney, Australia. Good night, mate. And finally, Adam Willis from Clearwater, Florida, U.S. of A. And, by the way, I also want to make another public service announcement. All of our listeners in the U.S.A., 76% of them, don't forget to vote. Vote by mail, vote early, go in person, just get out and vote. It's the most important thing that you can do is vote. And, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. Vote, vote, vote. It's it's just I can't tell you yep. how important it is
6: to no, vote. Absolutely. Um,
1: yeah, uh, I've yep, already voted, uh, voted here in Vermont. I voted by mail. Uh, it's the first time we've done it because of COVID. We, we were able to vote by mail, which I did. Me, my wife, and my daughter all voted by mail. How about you, Eric?
3: Yeah, we have 100% vote by mail kind of as a rule uh, of thumb out here in Oregon. So I am lucky to always be able to do my uh, ballot from the comfort of my own home. So I voted uh, about a week ago.
1: And how about you, Charles? We have the option
2: of voting by mail, or we do have some limited in-person voting. And I voted in person a week from last Monday.
1: Excellent. So our trek, our trek talking staff is one hundred percent on voting. Guys, make sure your household follows suit, and you all vote. You know why you got to vote? I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you very simple. Okay, if you don't vote, you can't bitch. It's that simple. (laughs) Right? Okay. It's true. The first thing I say to people when I hear them bitching, did you vote? No, then shut up. (laughs) I voted. I can bitch. You didn't. Go stand in the corner. Okay. So please vote. It's very, very important. And I'm going to jump off my um, soapbox and we're going to do our Star Trek birthdays. And for that. We have to have the birthday That was
7: not a clean-on song
1: No, it wasn't We like it anyways And we always start off our birthdays With our remembrances From people that are no longer with us But our members Of the Star Trek family, and for that, we turn things over to Eric.
3: Yeah. So this week uh, we have quite a few remembrances of folks from our Star Trek community who would have had birthdays this year. Uh, We start out this week with James Daly, who played Mr. Flint in the TOS episode Requiem for Methuselah. Uh, And if you don't remember that one, he's of course a uh, he's a immortal being that was born you know 3,800 years ago or so and has had influence. Over uh, human history, uh, throughout time, so it's been. Uh, so we really do miss that actor. He did a great job uh, with that role, and uh, happy birthday to James Daly. We're also remembering this week John Winston, who played Lieutenant Kyle in all three seasons of TOS. He's one of our uh, one of our favorite red shirts, who <laughs> survives for a long time. Of course, he's in blue sometimes. Uh, you probably know him best from Space Seed, I think, uh, where he kind of gets uh, taken out by, by Khan at one point. But, uh, you know, he's, he, he appears throughout many, many episodes. So uh, John Winston did a fantastic job in that role, and, and we do miss him. Uh, we also are remembering this week K.L. Smith, who played a Captain Klingon in Elan of Troyes. Uh, so, yeah, happy birthday to K.L. Smith. We are also remembering this week Ed Reemer's who played Admiral FitzPatrick in one of the kind of funniest and most iconic episodes of TOS ever, The Trouble with Tribbles. Um he he kind of shows up and uh well he you know he he's the one who who he he sort of all is like all typical admirals, he kind of just shows up and uh you know expects things to happen around him. <laughs> So uh, happy birthday to Ed Reimers. We're also saying uh, happy birthday and remembrances to Steve Sander this week, who played Lars in the TOS episode, The Gamester of Triscalon. We're also remembering Jack Donner, who played the Romulan Tal in the TOS episode, The Enterprise Incident, which is one of those um, really iconic episodes of TOS that I go back to again and again and again, and I think Tal is one of the reasons. Um, So happy birthday to Jack Donner. And finally, our last remembrance this week is for Ben Gage, who played a car in the TOS episode, uh, Friday's Child. And though I don't personally care for that episode too much, I actually think that he did a great job with the role um, that he was given in that episode. And so we'd uh, we'd like to say happy birthday and remembrances to Ben Gage. And now Charles is going to start taking us through the folks who have birthdays this week who are still with us. Take it away, Charles.
2: i I'm surprised. Jim gave me some good ones this week.
3: Mm-hmm. We
2: have F Murray Abram who played Ruafu in Insurrection. Then we have a gentleman who's very well known for having a purple beard. I think it's been green. I'm not sure. What other color is it has that beard been? So well known for his beard, especially when we saw him in the documentary he helped build. Happy birthday to Iris Stephen Bear, producer from producing TNG and writer executive producer DS9,
5: <clears throat>
2: and a star as a creator and creator and put uh, the, I guess producer of the. Uh, documentary: What We Left Behind.
5: This is a great
2: show. Jasmine Anthony played Paula, Ron's daughter in Enterprise. These are the Voyages. Now, please state the need of your medical emergency. Was <laughs> something the doctor would often say. As he was played by Robert Picardo, as we had our as our, we had our doctor on Voyager, and all the interesting tri- interesting situations he got himself through being a virtual doctor. And I know why this last one came to me as <laughs> yes, yes, you know Enterprise. I do. But is also known as a creator of a Star Trek, Star as uh, Captain uh, Ed Mercer, also as a director, producer in a popular couple of popular cartoon series, and producer of the latest rendition of Cosmos. But Ethan Rivers in the Forgotten and the. Uh, a Another other than Jeff McFarlane. Oh, with that I mean. Jim, I wonder what's left on your list.
1: Yeah, well, uh, let me see what we have here. Um, some, I think we got some pretty good ones, but um, you got most of the best ones. We got Bruce Mars, who played Finnegan in the TOS episode shortly, and he also played the Officer Charlie. It was beamed aboard the Enterprise in the TOS episode, Assignment Earth. I think most people know (laughs) him as Finnegan, actually. Um, We have Altunda Asani, who is the director and executive producer of Star Trek Discovery. And uh, here's a good one for me. We got Gabriel Union, who played Nagarin in DS9 episode Sons and Daughters. I always do the Klingons. And that episode was was one of my favorites where Alexander shows up, but uh he must've got into the growth hormones or something, uh, how he aged so quickly, but uh, I don't know. Maybe yeah. Klingons age at a Klingon. different rate than humans. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I love that episode. I love the character of Alexander. I love Worf's interactions with him. And I love how the rest of the Klingon crew in Martok, Deal with him. It's a great episode, and uh, mm-hmm. Gabrielle played an excellent character, and Garen, in So happy birthday to Gabrielle Union! And now we got to toss up here. Where do I want to go? Um, mm-hmm. Well, Halloween's um, around go the corner. With <laughs> yeah, I think I will. Uh, Halloween's right around the corner, and uh, so let's send out a huge happy birthday to uh, an actress who's been in. Oh, God, so much that I, I can't name everything because I'll, I'll leave out so much. But uh, she battled aliens and alien um, resurrection. And uh, she also battled <laughs> uh, creatures from beyond and stranger things. Uh, but under- we uh, tonight are going to celebrate her for being Spock's mother, Amanda Grayson, in the Star Trek 2009 movie. And, of course, I'm talking about Winona Ryder, a very talented actress who's just done so much and been such an influence on so many people. Happy birthday to Winona Ryder. And that leaves us with the last, but definitely not least on the list. And um, you know, Charles got Robert Picardo, who happens to be one of the, my favorite characters on Voyager until Seven of Nine showed up. I was always a fan of the Doctor, so I was, who you know, I gave the Doctor to Charles, but but I didn't leave myself out in the cold because I got the Mushroom Man himself from Star Trek Discovery, Lieutenant Stamets, Anthony Rapp. Happy birthday to Anthony Rapp, and Anthony Rapp is one of those characters that has grown on me. You know, like like athlete's foot wow. type of thing. I, I couldn't <laughs> stand him at first, but uh, he has quickly become one of my favorite characters over the course of time, and particularly tonight's episode. That well, we'll talk about that next week. Yeah, Anthony Rapp so, is awesome. So happy birthday, so less to like, Anthony Rapp.
3: Less like less like foot fungus and more like a fine cheese is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, like like a fine wine. He, he he just ages well with time. You know, how's that? <laughs> um, I, I remember talking about uh, his character before we knew him, when G.M. Chris would come on with us, and all we knew was that there was, was a mushroom man, a specialist with mushrooms. And, of course, that was Stamets, and that's all we knew about him at the time. And the character has just become so much more than that. And I particularly... I'm enjoying his relationship with Hugh Colbert as well. And I'm I'm really excited on where that is going to go this season. Now that he's Mm -hmm. done with his near-death experience and he's kind of swung the pendulum back the other way. He's he's coming back into the hue that we knew before he died. So I'm really looking forward to see what those two fine actors do with those characters in season three. Oh, Jim! Just wait till you read the Stamets book. A yes, Stamets book. We got to finish Enterprise War. <laughs> we yeah, we got to sure finish Enterprise up. War, and we also have to do the Janeway book by Una McCormick, so we can talk about that on a future yep. episode of Book Nook. We got so many books to talk about. We're just wow. We're so far behind, but we'll get caught up. Okay. Anyways, guys, time. the the phone number here. Is 646-668-2433. Uh, we're about to talk about Star Trek news, when we come back from this very quick break. Um, give us a call at 646-668-2433, and we will get you on the air. If you want to share your opinions, tell us what you thought about anything, send out a happy birthday, give us a call, 646-668-2433. We'll get you right on the air. I can promise you that. We're going to take a very quick commercial break for all of our listeners at Odyssey Radio. For the rest of our listeners, just kind of hang out here with us and listen to a little ditty that was done by a good friend of mine.
5: It's been a long road, getting from there to here. It's been a long time, but your time is finally here. You can feel the change in your thoughts right now. Nothing's in your way. And they're not going to hold you down no more. No, they're not going to hold you down. Because we've got faith not your call. We want to hear what you have to say. We've got faith to believe in just talking today. You've got faith in your fingers. All you got to do is sound out. You can reach us right now. We've got faith. We've got faith.
1: Faith that and of course, that's none other than our very own Eric that put that together for us. Thank you very much, Eric. Mm-hmm. And you bet. we're going to do our Star Trek news book first. We have a caller on the line. You guys want to talk to a fan? What do you say? Absolutely. That's what we live for. Absolutely. Yeah, we live for fans. So let's see who we got on the line. If I can get the phone to answer. There we go. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling. Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hi, my name
8: is David. I'm calling from Portland, Oregon. Hey, what's up, David?
1: Hey, David. Cards finally. What? You got your search for cards finally?
5: Yes, yeah. They came in the mail. Yeah, thank
1: you. Good. Good, very, very good.
5: And
1: so this is where we we do our Star Trek news and I apologize for the soundbite, we're still working on it, but it's okay for now. It, it will suffice.
5: Ooh. <laughs>
1: Ooh.
5: <laughs> Ooh. News news <laughs> yeah. perfect.
1: So once again, executed for we dive in to the Star Trek news. I do have something non-Star Trek to add to our news broadcast. As you know, we will be discussing Star Wars Mandalorian, which starts tomorrow, by the way. um, 3 a.m., I believe it drops, just like Discovery. So that'll be tomorrow, so I'll get to watch that after work. Next week, we'll be talking about Um, Chapter 9 of The Mandalorian As well as Episode 4 Of Star Trek Discovery So our shows will really be busy From this point on until uh, We're finished with The Mandalorian But just to let your whistle A little bit uh, I have a really cool trailer That dropped yesterday Uh, Gina Carlos Stanton Talking about his character uh, Moff Gideon And what it's like to wield the dark saber. Dun 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 dun.
6: Lightsabers are the legendary weapon of the Jedi and Sith, both elegant and powerful. But one lightsaber is especially unique, created by the first Mandalorian to be inducted into the Jedi Order. The dark saber featured. Angular black blade and rectangular hilt. Seen as the symbol of Mandalorian leadership, many have wielded this legendary saber. Following the fall of the Empire, the Dark Saber is now in new hands. How did he acquire it? What are his plans for it? All I know is that this time, the Dark Saber is properly. This is my tool. This is like my right arm. I'm so happy. Happy to have this. Mandalorian, October 30th, season two. Moff Gideon says, watch. I am so excited to be with you today. I have got so many surprises that I'm blown away. Well, I have to tell you, when I got the phone call, I was incredibly excited and blown away to be a part of a world and a universe that has the most villainous villains and the most heroic heroes. To me, it's stepping into history. And for me also, it's a wonderful show that really encompasses all of the power of myths and so I jumped out of my skin when I found out that uh, Jon Favreau wanted me to be part of this show because it allowed me to realize how important this particular series of movies and now this live action television show is. Fans went nuts, specifically and especially when they saw the tip of that angular blade of the dark saber reveal itself through the door of my TIE fighter yeah. and me Following my handout, they went crazy. One of my favorite moments of the show, because of the physicality of having to come out of that burned out TIE fighter, but the heroic nature and feeling of, I've survived this crash, and not only that, here's a little teaser and surprise for you. They hinted at it, and certainly helped me to understand how powerful it was. And I had to learn how to hold it properly, how not to let my wrist bend, keep your wrist strong. And normally, with your right hand, you put your left hand on top. If you're left-handed, you put your right hand on top. And you have to not break your wrist to, to get through the stroke. This weapon, this tool, will do anything. The thing is to let it go, is to let it get sweeping motions that allow it to soar. And it will do exactly what you want it to do. What I love is the, the connection between the sound of it, because this sound is the sound Of the future. It's the sound of Moth Gideon. And you know that you have something
1: I want. Yes, and that that trailer, you guys can check that out on YouTube. It's Clark Saber, obviously. And that's just to wet your whistle. That will be airing tomorrow at 3 a.m. on Disney Plus, and we'll be reviewing that episode next week, along with tonight's episode of Star Trek Discovery. On Trek Talking next Thursday. And before we get into the news, we have another caller on the line. I think we know mm-hmm. who this person is. Yeah, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek <laughs> Talking. Yeah, we know who that is. That's Janet. Hi, going, guys. Shannon? <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> uh
9: huh. So, it's th- awesome. Shannon's well, I had to come on and tell you all about the, to... the Janeway <laughs> monument. Yeah, oh, we, yeah, we yeah.
1: have, we do have, we have, uh, yeah, we're, we, we're going to get to that in a second. So, oh, I know, uh, I'm not going
9: to say anything until you tell me to, but I'm just saying, yeah. I had to come we're, on we're, and
1: tell you, so. we, you. We have a good lead in, we got a really good lead mm-hmm. in for that, but first, this okay. is actually our Voyager, our Voyager show. I should have played the Voyager music at the beginning instead of Discovery, because <laughs> We got a ton of Voyager to talk about. I'll get us started. Now mm-hmm. uh, there's a new book out called Star Trek Voyager: A Celebration by Ben Robinson. He was on our show what two weeks ago, guys? Was it
5: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the UK? Yep.
1: I think it was two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and he mentioned this book. Well, the book is available now. Um, you can you can pre-order it. Uh, celebrating the 25th anniversary of the TV series in 2020. Everything you want to know about Captain Janeway. Starship Voyager and her crew go behind the scenes of the making of a television classic, which the cast and crew who brought the adventures of the intrepid USS Voyager to life, packed with in-depth features on each creative department, from visual effects and art to costumes and makeup. This volume celebrates Star Trek's epic adventure in the Delta Quadrant. Alongside production and concept art, The cast, including Kate Mulgrew and Jerry Ryan, share their personal highlights from seven seasons and 172 episodes of Star Trek Voyager, A Celebration. tells the the behind-the-scenes story of Voyager's epic journey from its earliest origins and pivotal episodes to in-depth features on writing, directing, visual effects, production art, and more. It's a hardcover book. It goes for twenty nine ninety five. It can be purchased from Hero Collector, and it will be available on November twenty four. So if you're interested in Voyager, <laughs> you want to uh, get your book pre-ordered. Uh, Charles, speaking of books and Catherine Janeway, why don't you take our next story for us? I kind of jumped down a little bit.
2: <laughs> okay, you're jumping. Okay. Uh, yes, I was definitely prepared for this. Linda McCormick going be <clears throat> on going beyond Voyager, the autobiography of Catherine Jane Way.
1: <laughs> dun dun dun. I'm
5: so excited <laughs> about this. <day. clears
2: throat> uh, Mosa McCormick's Star Trek book. She also wrote Doctor Who novels, our focus on her favorite Trek show, Deep Space Nine. Although she took new territory last year with the 70th novel, The Wake of the Stars, and this year with Picard's novel, The Last Best Hope. And and, and a new exploration of Catherine January's life begins before, during, and after her time on the Star Trek Voyager. It is a must-read for any Voyager fan. 7 and Ichabod both turn up in Picard, but it's not accounted for in the book. Did you know that this was happening when you were writing it? I must have known because I wrote the book after I wrote The Last Best Hope, which is my Star Trek Picard novel. So I think we were clear that stuff was all happening in the future. And I'm fairly certain the Janeway book doesn't contradict, but of course, they've announced a new show, so, wow. And we don't even know the time period in Janeway's life that Prodigy is taking place, right? Yeah, can't get yourself in a knot about it. <clears throat> I think so. It's a shame the book shouldn't come out over the summer, but no a global pandemic, I suppose. Mm-hmm. The autobiography of Way by Una McCormick arrived January 27th. Coming in January, card novel The Dark Veil vale by yeah. Jane Swallow centers on Riker and Troy's time aboard the USS Titan during the attack on Mars. Yeah. And wow. for those that wonder, the Janeway novel is on my. I charged up my Kindle. It is on my Kindle already. You know, disappointed fact. I am going to have to read it because there is no audiobook.
5: Wow! wow. Yeah, Kindle, it, it's fashion, you
2: can read the actual
5: anyway. book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, let, you know.
1: I'm going to read the actual book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we, uh, if, if you guys are interested, we talked to Una McCormick, uh, back when I was Ooh. at camp about a month ago, maybe, was it? <laughs> about the discovery book, Way of the Stars, which is Tilly's backstory, which which, in my opinion, <laughs> was the best Star Trek Discovery book that we've read to date. And that's saying a lot because I loved the first two so much. If you're a Tilly fan, you've got to read this book. When I was watching tonight's episode, which we're going to talk about next week, I was having flashbacks to some of the things that we read in that book. That's how good Una McCormick wrote the character of Tilly. It was completely, totally believable, and I loved it. So you guys go back and check out that interview we did with Una McCormick about the Way to the Stars. It was a great uh, interview. She was really fun, really interesting, and I'm really looking forward to reading them the uh, Star Trek book for myself because uh, Eric and Charles already read it. I haven't had a chance to read Picard yet, but but I will. <laughs> I
2: have it. You've got to read Picard before you get to Dark Veil vale and have to find out what happened with uh, Riker.
1: Absolutely. I've got the
2: autobiography yeah. of
1: Wade to read. i got to finish up the Enterprise War, which is like like it's like it's a huge tome. Uh, <laughs> then, then we have the Dark <laughs> Veil vale to read. Oh, There's so many books coming out. I, and I'm not at camp anymore, so I can't just oh. relax on the deck with the dog and read. But I'll get to it. Don't
2: forget, we've, we got the Stamets book. We've also got the uh, Giorgio book.
1: So many options. That's right. Yeah. So much going on. But, but I thought it was interesting in this story how get... they
3: said that, I was just going to say that Seven and Icheb apparently don't turn up in this book or it's not accounted for where they kind of end up in the future. So I'm wondering what the timeline is that's actually covered by this autobiography. We don't, we don't actually know what the end date is. Like, is it going to be the end of Voyager? Does this autobiography end when they get home back to Earth? Or is it going to push beyond that time period? So I'm very interested to see uh, where well, it goes.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. go ahead, <laughs> if I was
2: going to... If I was going to make the comment... Go
1: ahead, Jim. If I was going to guess, I would say that it would stop at her being an admiral in Star Trek Insurrection, because that was technically the last time we saw her in in the Star Trek universe... Because Picard happened so far in the future, and Prodigy hadn't been even invented yet, so I would think it would stop at the events leading up to her becoming an admiral. That would be my guess.
3: Mhm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna say, Charles?
2: I was gonna say I think that two of these biographies are probably gonna end up having addendums put into them. Because not only do you have missing elements now from Janeway because of Prodigy, you also have missing elements from Picard's autobiography as well.
5: Yeah, that's true. Why
2: so wouldn't that's mind? Me, I wouldn't be surprised seeing both of those having extra things added to them. And I'd love to see them added to you later on.
3: That would be cool if they issued, like, little thin addendums to those to kind of correct the issues just to sort of align the books more since that has been their trend lately. You know, we've talked about how a lot of the books and comic books and stuff have been canon adjacent. And so I think the the general goal is to lend authenticity to all the written work by keeping it as in line with what we've seen on screen as possible.
1: Well... We have Shannon on the line with us. And Shannon was at a very special event that she's going to share with us. But before we do that, Eric gets the dubious pleasure of our final story for the night. And before we go any further, I just want to say something that I forgot to say at the top of the hour. All the stories that we talk about on the show, you can find the articles in their entirety on our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond. I just kind of paraphrase them to give you guys the biggest news. But there's a lot more in these articles than what we cover on the show. So if you're interested, please go to Trek Talking and Beyond on our Facebook page, and you can read the complete articles, including the one that Eric is just about to tell us all about.
3: And this is so exciting to have Shannon on the line. Thank you so much for calling today, Shannon, because she was actually there. Kate Mulgrew talked Mm -hmm. Star Trek Prodigy and Voyager Legacy at Captain Janeway Monument Unveiling. That's right, folks. Star Trek Voyager established that Captain Catherine Janeway was born in Bloomington, Indiana on May 20th, Mm -hmm. 2336. A monument Mm -hmm. was erected in her honor and Star Trek Voyager star Kate Mulgrew appeared via remote at the event and answered some questions Mm -hmm. about Voyager and prodigy. She said, I'm not often rendered speechless, but at this moment I am. How many people have such a marvelous thing done in their honor and their memory. It's a wonderful comment on Janeway's legacy And hearing you all speak today is deeply moving to me to realize that Janeway has had such an important role in your lives. And I think in cultural history, it's not only uh, terribly affecting for me, but it makes me want to go forth in a new way. And I'm doing that with Prodigy. But this recognition is something extraordinary to me, and I'm deeply proud to be honored in this way. So when Alex Kurtzman presented me with this idea, I wasn't entirely sure, and then over the months the conversation evolved into what we could bring to an entirely new demographic of watchers. This being of course young people and their mothers and their grandmothers. There will be crowded mm-hmm. living rooms. I thought the idea of bringing this to young minds is too exciting, too provocative and too promising and that is what sold me in the end. So Shannon, it must have been a really special experience to have been there and to have had, uh, you know, not only the unveiling, but this sort of pop in by Kate Mulgrew. Can you tell us a little bit about what the experience was like?
9: Sure. Well, it's funny because um, the last event I went to was actually when I got to meet some of you all at the Star Trek Picard premiere. Mm-hmm. And so this, realistically, this is my first thing that I've been to, like a big thing since then. Um, mm-hmm. and so I almost didn't go, but it's realistically less than two hours away from me. So I had to go. Um, of course. it was supposed to be in May when, you know, chainways birthday is, but because of COVID they pushed it back. So they had this whole thing and it was, apparently there were two different groups that were working on it separately. And then they found out they both were working on it and they had to get CBS's permission. They had to get Mulgrew's permission because it had to look like Janeway, but not like the actress. Oh, it has to be representation. So it can't, yeah, I can't look exactly like her. So apparently, uh-huh. CBS and the actress had to sign off on it. But when um, I knew from talking to people last week at the um, virtual Star Trek con that Kate Mulgrew was probably going to be like. Zoom in. But she was very funny because she's in California. She just became a grandmother, so she's out there. And it's like, um, everybody's wearing different costumes. Oh, I'm sorry, uniforms. <laughs> it's like, I was wearing my dress whites, which are not very warm. Okay? <laughs> but I had to wear my dress whites. It's an official function. And so uh, she asked if it was warm there because everybody's wearing different clothes. And we're like, no. And so you could hear us, which I appreciated because I didn't know if she could hear us. It was a pre- recorded thing or whatever, but she was actually mm-hmm. talking to us.
3: Cool.
9: And so they did the whole thing where they unveiled her, and they talked about everything. And by the way, anyone that wants to, they still have some of the com badges that are made from the same material that made her sculpture. They're I think they're $300 because they go towards the monument's preservation because mm-hmm. they weren't allowed to just build it. They have to preserve it. Mm-hmm. Right. But they did a really good job with it, and it was just—it was fascinating. It sounds very spockish to watch the whole thing, <laughs> and to to be around. I have not been around that many truckies, like I said, since we went to the Picard premiere, and so it was it was great because you see people, and they are just so excited. Some people brought their kids, you know. Mm.
5: Mm-hmm.
9: And it, I I can't I'm bad with estimating, but I'm gonna guess so there were 100 people, but they were all socially distanced. And I post a couple mm-hmm. pictures, of which I know some of y'all saw. But that was—that's actually my ship. Mm. So most people drove up from Kentucky, which is like I said, about two hours away, just to be there. We all drove up separately, and some of the places gave you a discount if you were in Star Trek uniforms.
5: Nice, nice. Then I
9: drove back. But it was—but wow. it was really nice. Um, I would have—I would have gone anyway, even if it had been without the pandemic. But it's very nice, in the pandemic, to see other Trekkies and to share, you know, the love of Star Trek.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it sounds like a really special experience. The monument itself, for anybody who hasn't actually seen it online or seen pictures before, mm-hmm. consists of kind of this concrete base. Uh, mm-hmm. No, 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 nice...
9: limestone. Be... Or limestone's, limestone's a regional thing. That's okay. Sorry, okay. It's okay. Sorry. It's a regional yeah, yeah. for Kentucky and Indiana. Like, for, for Kentucky, it's what makes the bourbon taste like bourbon. But for Indiana, yeah. they had to put it in the sculpture because that's a regional thing.
3: I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay, well there you go. So Indiana limestone at the base of this thing mm-hmm. and uh and then a kind of a bronze statue on top. And I think the really mm-hmm. coolest thing that I've seen, at least in photos, about the actual statue itself, is you're right, it doesn't look exactly like her, but they captured mm-hmm. her smile, which I think is yeah. the coolest part of the statue. That's it's that kind of like asymmetrical smile where Janeway has the one cheek up and the and the other cheek is a little different. Yeah. It just And if you think it's really of the, good. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Go ahead.
9: If you see if you see pictures of the back, which I've seen a couple of them and I got to see it, there's like wrinkles in the uniform and stuff where it tucks in. So they went that cool. detailed. Yeah.
3: That's really cool. Yeah, the wrinkles in the fabric look amazing. And it looks like it kinda has a two tone to it also where there's mm-hmm. you know, you actually kinda capture some of that red on top with, with a more kind of bronzy bronze color and then below with a more tarnished mm-hmm. bronze color. So that's nice. Mm-hmm. That'll be that'll be really cool to see how that ages. Uh, over time, but it looks like a really cool step. So you're saying you think you're maybe a hundred people or so there when, when they piped Janeway or excuse me, Janeway, Mulgrew in, did they have big uh, television screens or how did that work?
9: They had a, they had a giant monitor. Well, not giant, like a sporting event, but like, you know, bigger than monitor at your house. But yes. And the fact she could hear us. And I think they've even cleaned up the audio and posted it online. But so she's like, oh, so how's the weather there, and I'm so sorry I can't be there, but you know. But she's mm-hmm. talking about how, yeah, like you said, how important Froggy is going to be to her, and in fact, she can shoot it from her house, which made it much ah. easier for her. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Yeah, that's really cool. I, I have mean, about I a quick question the about guy. the statue. Yeah, go ahead, mm-hmm. David. So, uh, I was curious, uh, all the
10: details that you guys were talking about, I was wondering if it was 3D printed and put together in a block. Um,
9: no, actually, the the... Um, sculpture was there. Sculptor was there. Um he apparently does sculptures from photographs normally. So it's an actual sculpture like they did a reverse imprint kind of thing. Like
5: mm-hmm. you know, when you go you I guess mold.
9: it's kinda of like similar when they make masks where they do a mold and they reverse print it. It's not 3D printed, yeah. they actually pour the oh. um bronze and do it that way.
3: Cool. Yeah, so, I, so they, made just, a clay, they made a clay base for it, and there are some actually some really nice. interesting pictures online of the clay version of this exact statue. And then they make a mold out of that, and then they pour the bronze into the mold, which is how they're able to get the two-tone color to sort of happen. Which I think, oh well, yeah, and they, and they really buffed up different color the different colors, so you
9: could, yeah, so you can see the badge and the pips and the whole thing. So.
3: Yeah, it seems like there's even some shading on her face that kind of has this two-tone look to it, which is really amazing to me. It's kind of the most detailed bronze sculpture I've seen before. I I really think it looks cool. I'm I'm jealous, Shannon. It must have been so cool to be there.
9: It was, and it was very funny because, like, okay, if you want to take a picture with this sculpture, you have to sanitize your hands and wear a mask. You cannot breathe on her.
3: Yeah, sure, sure. I've seen a couple pictures yeah. of people who had masks on who took took photos. So yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah. What what a special experience. Thank you for calling in to talk talk to us about it too, for sure. You're
9: welcome.
1: Okay. Yeah, Yeah, they they did the same thing with uh with with Captain Kirk's statue in Iowa. Uh, it doesn't look like oh. William Shatner at all either. They had yeah. to change it. They could make a statue of Shatner. Mm-hmm. So when you see William Shatner, when you see Captain Kirk's statue in Iowa, it's the same way. It doesn't look like the actor. Mm-hmm. So that must have something well, to do with legality well,
9: my ship. Yeah, my ship has decided we need, we need to get somebody. We need a ship in New Orleans so that we can do a Cisco monument there.
3: There you go. Now we're talking. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say, Jim, that hmm. I think that there is a difference between this Janeway one. You should check out the pictures of the Janeway one online, because the, the Kirk one kind of really doesn't look like him at all. But the no. Janeway one, they kind of they kind of got away with the lower half of the face pretty much being <laughs> identical to the way she looks. Maybe it's a mirror universe of
1: themselves.
3: You know, she has that, there's coffee in that nebula kind of look on her face. You know? <laughs> well, I'll tell yeah, you what, they,
1: when they... When they... When they erect the Uncle Jim statue here in Vermont, I'll fly you guys all in for the christening. How does that sound? Um, that sounds okay. amazing. Awesome. Let's do it. Right. I want you you realize you just recorded out that,
9: outside. so you're under commitment for that, right?
1: That's <laughs> right. That's right. So really we, my we have a lawyer are. on the
5: call.
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> so, guys,
1: uh, I hope you're enjoying the show so far. We're we're not done yet. We're only halfway done because the best is yet to come. We started off with the Star Trek Discovery theme song. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to hear from TJ over at Precopolis Geekery. When we come back, we're going to find out what the fans on our Facebook page rated last week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. Far from home. And then we're going to dive in real deep and we're going to break it down and we're going to discuss it. So you don't want to miss that. You want to hang around. Don't touch the dial. Run. Don't walk to the bathroom. Go and grab yourself something to drink. (laughs) Heat up your pizza. Whatever. You don't want to miss what's coming up. We're going to take a very quick commercial break and we'll be right back for our listeners at Odyssey Radio. Don't go away. And we're going to have Eric. We're going to have Shannon. We're going to have Charles. We're going to have David, we're going to have myself, and we're going to have some fun talking Star Trek Discovery. So here we go, quick commercial break. Freakopolis Geekery located in Whitehall, New York. We'll be back right after this.
7: This podcast is brought to you in part by the Freakopolis Geekery, the premier upstate New York comics and game shop. Centrally located between Saratoga Glens Falls, Ticonderoga, and Rutland, Vermont, the Geekery is a haven for pop culture and science fiction fans. For Star Trek fans, the Geekery features board games like Ascendancy, as well as awesome gaming titles like Star Trek Adventures RPG from Modiphius, Star Trek Away Team Zero Clicks, and of course, Star Trek Attack Wing ship-to-ship tactical combat for the tabletop. The Geekery hosts casual play sessions, learn-to-play sessions, and sanctioned organized play tournaments with limited edition prize support. You'll also find comics and trade paperbacks at Freakopolis, including Star Trek titles from IDW. Lots of issues are in stock, and special orders are no problem. Whether you visit in person by shuttlecraft or beam in online to Freakopolis.com, you'll find yourself right at home at the Freakopolis Geekery. And welcome
1: back to Trek Talk, we're about to talk about Star Trek Discovery, Episode 2, Far From Home. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. We have Shannon, we have David, we have Eric, we have Charles, we have yours truly, Uncle Jim, and we're going to have some fun breaking down Star Trek Discovery and just Trek Talk. And you guys want to be part of this, give us a call, 646-668-2433. We'll get you on the air. You can share your opinions. So on our Facebook page, we can't do polls anymore because the new Facebook sucks. So Aww. instead of doing polls, Uh, It's terrible. I don't like it at all. But instead of doing (laughs) polls, I just ask a question. It's not as – anyways. So I asked a question on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best, what score would you give the episode far from home? And the fans have spoken, and if we're lucky, maybe Charles will give us the total score so we can see how close (laughs) we agree with our fans. But we'll see if Charles can can do that for us. I put the pressure right on him. But we're going to start we're off with Eric. Already working on um, it. See that? He's already working on it. See that? See, we my, that, my I have Charles. the best crew. My my crew yeah. is, is right on the ball. You awesome. see that?
3: <laughs> Behind every good captain
1: is an awesome crew. <laughs> A crew so, anticipates
3: the captain's needs.
1: That's right. That's right. right. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, or the one. Or the one. <laughs> or the one. So, Eric, why don't you start us off with our fan responses for this week, or last week's episode, Far From Home. Yeah.
3: Yeah, you better believe it. We got some, we got a lot of responses to this one, which is really cool because, uh, you know, obviously it being uh, kind of a new, uh, not a new series, but a new season for this series, um, we were excited to see what people thought. So David Moreau said, I hope we get more episodes that are not revolving around Burnham.
5: Hmm.
3: A nine for me. Jamie Deff said, nine. I really liked it, although having Jake Weber in the episode makes it seem like less of a Star Trek story for me. Interesting.
1: Uh, Reza hmm. Arch- I have to admit, said, uh, yeah. I got to admit, who? I don't know who is, who is Jake Weber? I mean maybe I'm, nope, I'm, I'm throwing looking at my right now. I don't know who that is. <laughs> but uh I appreciate the comment.
5: <laughs> yeah,
3: I yeah, I mean he's the guy who actually played the main bad guy whose name I am just totally blanking on uh, right uh, now. But oh. the main yeah. the main bad guy in the episode is Jake Weber. Um and the so, guy who you know,
9: the burn was the best thing that ever happened to him. That's right. And, okay. you know, I'm not, it,
3: it could be because he's um, he's been in several other television shows. Most notably, he was in Homeland for a couple of years. And so I think people have kind of an association with his face uh, of being in that one. So, you know, it seemed like it pulled that person, that particular person, out of the Star Trek universe a little bit. But that's all right. Um, Reza Alshamani said, well, Tilly was not herself after that shakeup, but I give it a 9.9999. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, Mm -hmm. Camilla Dryborg Bonachan said, I'd say a nine plus, maybe the best episode of Discovery so far. Best part is that Burnham found Discovery because I really feared it would take all of season three, which I think some of us were a little concerned about. There were spoilers Mm -hmm. uh, about that once we heard from Jonathan Frakes and we, we eventually found out uh, probably six or eight weeks ago or so that we were going to have kind of a uh, Burnham episode and then a discovery episode and then a reuniting episode. So, um, so the great comment though, I'm really also glad that they didn't take all season for the two to find one another. And dad, Dan Kaysinger said he gave it an eight last week's was better. I think that they need to toughen up Saru a bit. He seemed a bit wimpier to me so far though. Uh-huh. It's been
5: great. No.
3: And, Dan, I, I love you, man. Thank you for listening, and thank you for commenting. I respectfully disagree because he actually faced down yep. Giorgio, and uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But uh, those are our first fan comments. Charles has the next batch. Charles, take it away.
2: All right. Michael Dean said, thought it was great. David, it's coming. Mm-hmm. Nine. My favorite part was the rude head nod. Love it. The calm room. Give it a 10. If they're in the characters, they're going to change and evolve as the episode carries on. I agree, Colm. Edward Gonzalez says 9.5. Giorgio should have killed that guy. You know he'd be back. Who knows? Maybe he might be back. And Rick Murley said 9. You're right. He should have wasted the bad guy.
3: And to, for you know, just uh, to be well, technical about, yeah, Giorgio does say in the episode that she actually went back to finish the job. So, so I think from Giorgio's standpoint, she thinks Leland is dead. Not personally mm-hmm. convinced, but
9: okay, but he's not real. So where how does the guts get we're there? We're gonna talk
0: about this later. We're gonna talk about it later. I'm sorry, sorry, that. sorry, sorry. <laughs> <All
9: right. laughs>
1: So uh, I'm going to wrap up the fan the fan comments here, and then we'll get back with Charles and find out what the fans scored the episode overall. So uh, John Cameron McCain says 8.5. Uh, it'd be a 10 if it weren't for the evil space cowboy stuff. Too specter of a gun for me. Everything else worked great. Uh, John that was my favorite part uh, I can't wait to talk about that When we get done here I just loved it And Spectre of the Gun is kind of a soft spot For me it was one of the first Star Trek Episodes I, 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 That I remember seeing And I just it's just I just kind of like it So, uh, Richard Carvigan says More of Giorgio please Good to see the rest of the cast back this week A solid seven Better than last week Ben Turner says, yeah, 7.5. Good episode. Anthony Conley said, 10. <laughs> you guys get all the good ones. I just get the simple ones. <laughs> like, 10. 10. <laughs> I remember that last Best week back. you had like five or
3: six of them. It was funny. <laughs> like,
1: you know. And uh, Thomas Roy Balbridge says, A damn, 9.5. That guy was such an amazing <laughs> asshole. Then Giorgio just went in there and punked him the hell out. Absolute bravo to all the actors involved. You go, guy. I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> Giorgio is like a one-man army. She's like a bomb, and she's waiting to go Cheers. off. And those six guys, man, <laughs> did she and ever punk no them out.
5: No chance. <laughs> they were du... Just do. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Thank you, Tom. That was was awesome. (laughs) We take uh, all these
2: totals together. We get all these totals together. hmm. And we got too many decimals. We have (laughs) 8.99993333. Heck, just call it a 9. Round it and call it a (laughs) 9.
5: Yeah, that's oh, nice. better, okay.
2: it's it's better than all the lower next scores.
5: Well, that's pretty that's pretty high praise. It's, it's
2: a nine compared to eight, last week's
3: eight five. Mm-hmm. Which is higher? Which is mm-hmm. interesting. I I mean I think that's kind of kind of goes well. Anyway, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that after we talk about mm-hmm. our own scores here.
1: Yeah. So let's let's dive let's let's uh, dive right in here. And talk about it a little bit. I gotta find, I gotta find my sound bites, which <laughs> I was working on before the show because I gotta do something first. Though before we get started, just to let you guys know, spoiler alert! Of that black Whoa. alert, y'all, we are about to make the jump
8: to some serious spoiler territory. It's
5: there, <laughs> you like there you Matter go. There you
8: go. Black it. Alert, y'all.
1: We are about to make the jump
8: to some serious spoiler territory. It- yeah, that's good. So there right. you go.
1: Will that's Wheaton from, yep. from the Ready Room himself. So you guys can't say we didn't warn you because Will Wheaton just did. <laughs> I love it. So, awesome. uh, episode two, yeah. Far From Home. Uh, I don't know where to start. Actually, but let's start with a with a little clip um, called Truth. This is a this is a clip where Burnham and Book make it to the exchange. Book tricks her into walking into the vault. She gets caught in a force field, and then well, well, they shoot her with. Hold some... on. this
3: is last week, Jim mm-hmm. What? That's last week. Jim. That
2: was last
1: week.
2: That was oh, episode one.
1: Where am I here? I'm on the wrong one. I thought we went through this before. Quick, time travel. Yeah, Yeah, no, where is that one? Oh, yeah, no, yeah, you're right. (laughs) You're right, I'm on the wrong one. Uh, So, yeah, so this clip is, um, (coughs) yeah. See, usually on Saturday, I take all the old clips out and put all the new ones in, but I was just just busy, didn't get to do it. Uh, But I promise you, Saturday... After I get done shoveling the snow this week, I'm going to come in and I'm going to get no. sound bites from the episode that was on tonight and have it all ready for you guys next week. So you'll see an old bat that I am. I won't screw it all up. All right. So this first clip that I've got for you guys is called First Impression. And if you've seen the episode, you already know what I'm talking about. Uh, this is a scene where Saru goes and decides who he's going to take to make a first impression on the new world that they're about to explore. And of course, he chooses Chile. And here's the clip.
10: No one's ever had to say what this is like or uh, what this feels like. It's so weird. I mean, there's a giant hunk of planet hanging there in the sky. <laughs> we had the time to figure out how all this works. Mm. Sorry, sir, I'm, I'm talking because I'm scared.
4: I know. Keep talking, Ensign.
10: You know, on the ship I said the scans were uh, odd or uh, strange, but it's not true. It's, we're odd and strange.
6: Not to each other. Mm-hmm.
10: Thank you for asking me to accompany you, sir. Mm-hmm. Why did you ask me to accompany you, sir?
4: I needed an engineer.
10: The ship's full of engineers. is an engineer.
4: An engineer I can trust.
10: She thinks I'm useless.
4: She's concerned for Michael and lacks the self-awareness to control her behavior in such an unsettled state. We are introducing ourselves to the future. You, Vincent Tilly, are a wonderful first
1: impression. Uh, I... I love... That scene between Tilly yeah. and Saru, um, it's such, yeah. um, I, I mean, Tilly's mm-hmm. crying. Mm-hmm. You can't see it in that in a, an audio clip, obviously. But um, it just goes to show you the, the the feelings that they have, the friendship that they share and how they feel about each other.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that scene is, is probably one of the most touching scenes um, that we get in this episode. Uh, and I just loved it. So I, I had to share that with you guys. I love Tilly. And I love Saru. I love how understanding. How how he's he's like a mentor. He's like a father. He he's a leader, and he understands his people, and he he leads by example, which is extremely important. And you know because respect is is earned. It's not bestowed. And Saru has definitely risen to the occasion, and and he has proven time and time and time again the kind of man that he is. And I, I love his character and I love Tilly and I love that clip. So what, what, what yeah, do you it's... think, Shannon? Or Eric? <laughs>
9: Whoever. <No, laughs> <Sorry>. Whichever <with> one.
3: <laughs> well, I'll, I'll just say I thought that was a really mm-hmm. special clip because um, I, I personally think that one of the things that really makes Saru strong as a captain mm-hmm. is that he actually has a really intuitive sense about his crew you know, he, he, he feel although his kind of, um, you know, his mojo has changed uh, since we saw uh-huh. him uh, before and kind of, he's a different Saru. The Saru that we see right now is really in tune with what's going on with his crew. And I think that you, not only what's going on with his crew, but what's going on in the larger world out there. So I think the most important line that's from this particular clip that Jim played is that. Tilly is a wonderful first impression and Saru realizes that they are a thousand years in the future and that they are the fish out of water and that he needs whatever he can arm himself with in terms of, yeah, totally. I mean, she is like Mm -hmm. an ace in the hole in terms of positivity and innocence and like, Mm -hmm. who's going to be threatened by Tilly, you know? (laughs) So, so I just, I love, yeah maybe yeah because yeah, they're kind of the antithesis of one another but but yeah I right. just love this scene because I love that interaction that that it's because of Saru's intuition that he chose mm. Tilly and then it turns out that that was just the perfect duo to deal with the scenes that we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast.
1: Mm. Absolutely.
9: Okay.
1: What did you think, Shannon? What do you think about the Tilly Saru thing?
9: Well, I'm I'm trying not to go into the next scene because, you know, we're not there yet. But uh, I thought it was great because she's like, I'm so sorry, I talk really fast when I get scared. He's like, no, keep talking, it's <laughs> fine, it's fine. <laughs> I think part of it was, you... you know, he used to be prey and now he's actually a predator, so he gets both sides and he gets the assets of everybody.
5: Yeah. Uh-huh.
9: Because if you're only one or the other, you don't understand what's going on. But since he's been the person that's been the person is scared all the time, he gets what, where she's coming from. And it's, it's actually mm-hmm. a good thing because you should be afraid if you don't know what you're doing.
5: Yeah, exactly. Or George
9: just walks kind of into the... something and she's like, I'm not afraid of anything. I'm like, yeah, that's not always the best way to go f- for things.
3: Yeah, and he says something in one of the scenes that I don't think we're going to cover tonight, but he says something to her like, you know, I know you're afraid, but I just need you to keep it under control for right now. And Tilly kind of, you know, steals herself and just kind of sucks it up and is like, okay, I can get through it this one time, you know. And I think well, that that's such a yeah. testament to, like, the concept of perseverance in general, right?
9: Right.
3: It, well, that's what I think that's one of the
9: reasons
3: – sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I think
9: that's I one of the reasons most of us yeah, can relate to Tilly is because mm-hmm. she's scared, she's nervous, she's awkward, you know. And at Star Trek hands, we all get scared, nervous, or awkward at different times, but it's an asset in some situations. Like, just keep going.
3: Yeah. hmm Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I, I agree completely. And so, uh, the, the well, we're not going in order here, so let me – let because me, cause I screwed it all up. <laughs> I take full responsibility. No, no, it's fine. Because I didn't oh, I, I don't oh, remember the clip. I I didn't number the clips like I usually do. I'm slipping in my old age here. You were on vacation. Uh, But this, (laughs) this, 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 I was watching them do my monument in downtown. (laughs) So uh, there you go. This next clip is actually takes place before the clip we just saw. I'm going backwards. Um, I called this one the plan. Maybe. Come on. There we go. Are
4: there other relevant details you've gathered
1: thus far?
10: Not much. Um, I have a lot of information about this planet, but I don't know which planet we're on. <laughs> this is like reading an obituary backwards. The settlement only has 50 lifetimes, but they have ships whose so design would presume warp capability, but I haven't gotten any dilithian readings, so they couldn't possibly fly them. I, I don't understand, but um, they have warp, and they have ships, so that's uh, that's one Come in, um, mutual, uh... Should we get the command training manual, or can you find your own way to making a point? Commander!
5: We need to fix communications, and time is of the essence.
4: We are all acutely aware of that. We will acquire what we need to repair our translator as quickly as possible, and we will reveal as little of ourselves as possible in the process.
5: They have an artificial atmosphere, Saru. So. These are not Kelpians who so have never seen a starship.
4: They have
10: 930 years on us. Why hide
4: from them? Mm -hmm. Assuming we arrived in the correct time, we carry with us a knowledge of certain past events that we cannot share, lest we impact the present or future of any society with which we interact. Whether or not the local population is more or less advanced is immaterial. We will adhere to their cultural standards. We will barter peacefully.
5: We crash landed, and we're going in blind, huh? They greet us peacefully.
4: We will not abandon what we believe.
5: If this were my planet, I could already have it surrounded and drawn.
4: I am not asking you to participate, Commander. I am telling you what we will do in your absence. And Centilly, you will join me.
5: Me? Her? (laughs) Are you trying to get us (laughs) all slaughtered? She has as much psychic dominance as
4: a kitten. Okay, what the... Uh, Report uh, to sickbay. We will have uh, Dr. Pollard administer appropriate treatment so that we may breathe naturally in this atmosphere. Commander Nott, I'm placing you in charge of the ship's repairs. And I need you to assist in the repair of the EPS grid. If we cannot fly to Commander Burnham's location, we are of no use to her.
1: So that was a little mm-hmm. bit out of order because that was the clip before the clip I just played, but that's okay. We can talk about that anyways. So I, I think that highlights Giorgio and what she thinks mm-hmm. they should do. Uh, you know, Giorgio's like, "Well, let's just go in there and kick some ass and take some names," and Saru's like, mm-hmm. "Well, no, that that's not our way." And Giorgio's like, "Well, the hell with your way. It's my way." And and Mm. Saru's like, well, listen, lady, it's my way or the highway, so you do what you want, but here's what we're going to do. And, of course, Tilly almost dropped another (laughs) F-bomb. Not quite. Almost. Not quite. quite. Almost. (laughs) (laughs) I I like that scene. I I picked that scene because I think it it shows uh, Saru kind of coming into his own here. And he's taking control, and he's he's talking down Giorgio, you know. She's coming at him hard. And, of yeah. course, let's not forget that she used to eat Kelpians for lunch and dinner. To her, Saru <laughs> is, is, you know, lunch meat. It's food. And yeah. uh, it, yeah, it's, <laughs> he's food. And Saru he, is he's just, actually isn't going to be having. He's prey, <laughs> right. And mm-hmm. uh Saru won't be having none of that. Saru's like, I won't be going there. Listen, this is what we're gonna do, deal with it. And he's not mm-hmm. back out. Yeah, or get mm-hmm. out. And he's telling her this is yeah. what we're doing and you know, end of story. <laughs> and I think he demonstrates in that scene again why he, he would make such a good commander. He understands mm-hmm. his crew. He explains why he's going to take Tilly. He assigns Nan what to do. He tells everyone what they're going to do, and then he lays out the plan, and they execute it. And the good crew that they are, they follow his orders. So that, that's why I picked that scene, and I played him out of order. I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> no, that's okay, Jim. And, and, I, and I actually think one of the coolest things about that scene is where Saru says, I'm not asking, I'm telling and he uh-huh. says that directly to Philippa Giorgio empress of the <laughs> of the mirror universe i mean Saru just like he and and what's interesting is the way oh. that that is shot when they're looking back at uh-huh. giorgio is they actually show it from Saru's standpoint as if he's standing up on his tall hooves right like because uh-huh. it, one of the, one of the things that you can you can tell about Saru is when he is confident And when he is telling people what to do, he is standing at his full height. He's standing, you know, up on his hooves and that sort of thing. When he is (laughs) subordinate and when he's actually kind of having conflict with people pre, uh, you know, losing his ganglia, yeah, he actually, he actually slouches and kind of like has a totally different posture to it. So I love the fact that they shot this scene from Saru's point of view, looking down at Giorgio, Mm -hmm. who is a, forced to be reckoned with. There is no question. And yet, at the end of the scene, Starfleet values persist. Giorgio gives up her gun, and she's on board, man. And I just... That that just talks to the power of Saru to me.
1: Yeah, Saru Saru is the man, and uh, hopefully he becomes (laughs) captain. Eventually, we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But we have to take our final commercial break of the night. When we come back, we're going to hear from... Shannon, Hello. we're gonna hear from Charles, we're gonna hear from <laughs> David. Uh, we're gonna maybe we're gonna hear from you. Our number here is six four six-six six eight two four three three. Um give us a call and we'll get you on the air. We're talking about Star Trek Discovery, Episode Two, Far From Home. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after this very quick commercial break.
7: Trek talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday nights, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go.
1: And we're back. So Shannon, what do you think about that last clip we played?
9: Well, I definitely can tell that he's a different character now, and I know this is this is last week's episode, so it's no spoilers. But you could, I can't imagine him being the captain when he was still prey, because his char- his whole mannerism has changed. And I'm gonna I'm gonna I know this is out of order, and I'm sorry, but like the fight scene. That that would not have happened when he was praying. Mm-hmm. And so the thing was, he, he tells True. Tilly to get behind the bar because he knows she can't handle that. Yeah. But he and George are just looking at her like, yeah, okay. And they, and they go. Yep.
1: Yeah. Hey, David, you've been awful quiet. What do you think so far? Um, <laughs> I actually.
8: Trying to remember the episode from last week.
1: Well, how about
2: I'm
5: getting
2: I'm getting pictures here and there when you guys talk about it I'm like, Oh
1: yeah,
8: that's what happened. Okay.
9: <laughs> the fighting in the bar. Well, mm-hmm. Let's
1: talk about the bar. Okay, let's talk mm-hmm. about the bar because we all got to see this episode like almost a month ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Was it? Yeah, <laughs> And I have been dying to talk about the bar because one I of my know. favorite favorite scenes that I still talk about today is when when Giorgio and Lorca and Michael Burnham, when they had the big fight in um, in the Mirror Universe, when Giorgio came back and Giorgio kicks the guy in the head when he's standing behind her. My God, I, that just blew me away. But, but you know what? Giorgio even blew me away even more. The bar fight that they have in this episode, like one of our our listeners said, that it reminded mm-hmm. him of Specter of the Gun in the old Wild West. He's not kidding. Yeah. They actually have the bar <laughs> doors that swing open, and they walk in, and Tilly and Saru get captured. They have a dispute, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Giorgio shows up, <laughs> the guy foot. shoots her three or four times, and she's like, "Well, what you call pain, I call foreplay." and her nose is bleeding, her eyes are bleeding, and then she turns it on. And she kicks the major ass, like, in a way I've never okay. seen. I mean, this woman is well, like a one-woman army. I mean,
9: right? And, wow. And I don't think I've ever gotten part, through though, an episode. Mm-hmm.
1: Sorry. The best part to me, though, As awesome as as Michelle Yeoh is, and as incredibly Mm -hmm. choreographed as the fight scene is, which it was, to me the best Mm -hmm. part is at the very, very end, when she's holding the gun to Saru. And Mm -hmm. Saru, well, wait, before (laughs) I go there... There's a scene before that where Saru gets out his little spiny things and hisses at the ah. guy and shoots these spines at him.
9: I was like, "Oh my god, that's." I so thought cool. that was a porcupine thing like a natural reaction. I didn't realize he could aim them.
3: I didn't either. Yeah, that that was totally yeah, well, He, he yeah. aimed
1: them and <laughs> he got the guy. But uh that, yeah. which was really I awesome. mean,
3: how
2: did
1: he but, even
3: know that? Yeah, oh, I don't know. I don't I don't know
2: it
5: was <laughs> like
3: there, there. Like, the last time that he went through his transformation, everything was a surprise, and he didn't know what was going on, and then it all happened, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, he knows how to aim these spikes? What's up with that? Who taught him that? Hey, yeah. He's been practicing the holodeck, cool.
9: apparently.
3: I guess. That's yeah, right. Maybe. And, you know, actually, if you go into what? the books, Shannon, that's actually a pretty good description because he does have these training programs in the books that he goes into the holodeck and, and does that sort of thing. So, maybe. Well,
9: maybe you're right. There you go.
3: Oh, he doesn't even well, always go in the holodeck. He does in his own
9: quarters.
1: Yeah, that's true. Oh, oh AJ, yeah, you're right. A- A- AJ oh, is AJ's saying attacking. hello to everybody. <laughs> he's jumping on me now. You might hear he's him our, in, in the background.
3: AJ is our gremlin. But
1: um, anyways, <laughs> the, the best scene in there is where Giorgio is holding the gun to Saru's face. And he's unarmed except for his little spiny things. And I don't know. Do those grow back? Can he fire them more than once? I I don't know.
3: We don't know about that. But but he just kind of stands his ground, and he stares her down and just, like, just completely defuses her.
1: She's got the gun. She's got the power. She's in control. And he's ordering her to stand down. And for a second there, uh, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, what's going to happen here? And uh she flips the gun around and gives it to Saru and and that's that. And that to me was the moment and and the that was the biggest one to me, other than the incredibly awesome fight scene. <laughs> Bob. yeah. What well, what did you think, Charles?
2: I think that wow, kudos to the fight coordinators on that on that scene. That scene was so well done, so much action. And we really get to see what kind of character Giorgio is. And she is still a big, extremely powerful fighter. And see the how she defends herself.
5: Yeah, she uh, makes a comment
2: I get it. She's a she's a very good action action actress. I'd be curious how much of that stunt that scene was done with the actor actor and actresses and stunt people. But that still okay. just was so well coordinated.
3: Okay. And I wouldn't be You know she's an action, she's, she knows she's an action
9: person. She she's an action person,
3: right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean Crouching Tiger, forget she's about it. She's like a it. Jackie I mean, Chan yeah, level He's made for that, yeah. Fighter. Yeah, yeah totally. Do you think Giorgio will become the villain in the later season?
1: Well, let's you know what. Let's talk a little bit about. Let's talk about this a little bit right now. This is a good opportunity to bring this up. First of all, I think Star Trek fans. I think we are so fortunate to have an actress of Michelle Yeoh's caliber involved in Star Trek. I really think that we're so fortunate to get to watch her. Mm-hmm. In Star Trek every week It's incredible Because she is an incredible actress And my god When it comes to action scenes You're never going to beat her She is just She's that good Now Mm -hmm. We do know That they We will be AJ stop it We do know that um, (laughs) We're going to see Section 31 And
9: Which means She has to come uh,
1: back She that Section 31 Would be in an interesting Setting So Maybe we've uh, all been going the wrong way because time travel uh, is outlawed in the future, but it's not outlawed in the past. So maybe, uh, just maybe, Michelle Yo, or maybe uh, Giorgio, is going to get Section 31 going in the future to help Ria get Starfleet and the Federation back on their feet and do the things that Starfleet and the Federation we, might not be doing. Because she did make so comments about how she's, she's going to the love opposite of future the future, right. Right.
9: Yeah.
1: right? So yeah. you know yeah. we might actually see Section Thirty-One taking place in the future as well. And who knows? But, maybe Ash Tyler finds some okay. way to get into the future to be in the show with her instead of her finding a way to get back. Who knows?
9: Yeah, you can't get rid of but Ash. But listen,
1: yeah. we <laughs> have a caller on the line, guys. Now I'm going to try to okay. answer this. See if it will come through. Good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name, and where are you calling us from tonight?
8: Hey, it's Nate. I've been chatting with you guys, although uh, although I don't think I think you've been too busy to see it.
1: AJ, get down.
3: (laughs) This cat. Thanks for joining us, Nate. It's great to hear you, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah, what's happening? Yeah, I figured.
8: my my battery's almost dead, and I was like, "Well, I'll call." He said that was the last commercial, so the battery may still uh, may still stay long enough to to finish the show. So I'll, I'll I'll give a call then. So that's what I did.
1: Excellent. Glad to have you.
6: So for anybody who doesn't
3: know, Nathan and Shannon and Charles and I Mm -hmm. all met up with each other at the Star Trek card premiere last year, and it was a blast. And this year, this year, oh, is this year? It was still this year. You're right. So it's great to have all of you guys on the line at the same time. It's so cool. But what about me? You didn't come there, Jim.
5: Jim, we I'm love I'm you, just man. I'm a
2: liver, you... Come on, you're the see that spine I'm an old, old. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm just saying, <laughs> it's nice to have Nathan
3: and Shannon and Charles on the phone at the same time.
1: <laughs> okay. Can Eric. So I and Eric. and I, I do I do have another clip I want to play for you guys here. Uh, this is a clip that um, Eric and Charles both requested. I think it's a really good clip, and it's just called. Reno, and I think you'll know why.
9: Oh, love Reno. Mm.
5: Mm.
9: How many drugs are you on right now? I'm just
10: moving a little <laughs> slowly. As a person in great pain would
9: move, as I know all too well. Let me take a wild guess. You didn't find what you were looking for and are now wondering if maybe the problem's in the Jeffries tubes.
8: Why are you talking to me as if we're working on this together?
9: Because that's exactly what's happening.
8: Absolutely not.
9: Saru wants us working on teams, and apparently if you can breathe, you can work. So unless Hazmat over here is going to be helping after he cleans up aisle five. My my name's (laughs) Dean. I've already forgotten that. I don't need, I've already
8: (laughs) determined the location of the ruptured relay.
9: Great, let's go.
2: That wasn't an invitation. I can do this on my
8: own.
10: Fine, then I'll just follow you for the witty repartee. <laughs> oh my gosh.
3: I so love good. Reno.
1: I absolutely so love yeah. Jet Reno. I, I, I'm so glad that she jumped in the future with us. <laughs> and uh, Charles, awesome. why did you pick a particular clip, uh, clip Charles?
2: Well, I picked the one a little bit later in the scene when the doctor comes in also. It's just the interaction between how Samitz and Reno act and how Calder act. It's like, she's like, calm down, Calder. Okay, we're going to get through this. And once we're done, then I'm going to kill you.
5: <laughs> but
2: the three and just how they act to each other, how how we're able to finally get this one spot repaired, but everything they go through to deal with this one issue, how Stanley is just trying to go through past his injury to sit there and get this repair work. Reno's trying to go through it to get it done. And the doctors there worrying about what's happening to him, why he's up there, and knowing he's trying to save the ship, but worried he's, he's risking his own life to save the ship. And just how these three interact, I am so happy that all three of them—we threatened to lose all three of the all three of these people. Mm-hmm. And yet we got all three of them going at each at each other. And this is just a fascinating relationship between those three.
1: Mm-hmm. And what I thought was cool is that Jet Reno actually had Huey, Dewey, and Louie there. Um, the the floating Droidy things that she built were yeah. actually there with with Stamets in the in the Jeffers tube, which I thought was really cool because we haven't seen them since she brought them aboard. We only saw them one other time. So, they're still there. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool to actually see them again.
3: That was pretty cool. And actually, my favorite part of this particular scene, which i'm I don't think we're going to play tonight, but there's a there's there's something about Jet Reno, and I know that that she turns some people off because of her kind of snarky nature. But here's what I will say. The writers of the show have certainly given her lines of wisdom to deliver on a regular basis, like even. Over the previous seasons, I feel like whenever Jet Reno speaks, there is knowledge (laughs) coming from Mm -hmm. her her mouth hole. And in this one, the one that really, really, like, just, I don't know, just hit home for me, she says, and I'm going to say one bad word here, but she says, helplessness is a shitty feeling, but it's not forever. And I think that that, for me, is one of the most important lines of this episode, because You know, people talk about Star Trek Discovery and where it's been and where it's going and and whether it's different from old Star Trek or not. But here's what I will say. The writers have plugged into the heart and soul of what makes this thing work. And it's lines like this, helplessness is a shitty feeling, but it's not Mm -hmm. forever. That automatically has some hope attached to it. And I feel like particularly in season three here, we're seeing a lot of hope delivered through the story Mm -hmm. and the characters – And Mm -hmm. I'm just really, really digging that vibe in season three here myself.
1: Well, I think that the writers have done something that they've been trying to do in Star Trek for a long time. They they tried it with Pulaski, and it failed miserably, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And so they've turned around, and they've created a character, like a Pulaski character as an engineer, that can be snarky, that doesn't get along mm-hmm. with with our characters. But yet we don't hate this character and despise this character nope. like we did with Pulaski. They balanced, they came up oh. with the balance there to make this character work, where Pulaski didn't quite work, she was there for a year and gone. And I think that well, this they, character is they like,
9: took a character they took a character out to and put her in Pulaski in. I think that was the biggest issue with her.
3: Yeah, the the fact yeah, was yeah. that they changed the character type, right? They they took yeah. that doctor role, and they completely changed. And I actually think Pulaski could have been a successful character had she been introduced from the, right. g- the beginning and maybe not been the, right. the main medical doctor. officer on okay. the ship. Yeah, because she's a great actress. She did a fine job mm-hmm. with the role she was given. She was just inserted into that second season, and it made it weird. Okay. Well,
9: my favorite thing about Reno is last season when she got – Samus and Culver back together, she's like, you know, what I wouldn't give to see my, <laughs> my spouse again. You know, you yes. have the opportunity to get back together with them. And she gave him a different oh. perspective. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. It's so nice. I so so think
9: she's responsible yeah. for getting them back together.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I, so I, I, see, I was, was going to
8: actually point that out that now I've only seen – uh pretty much mm-hmm. every episode of uh discovery only one time, <laughs> but I had thought oh. that uh that at the end of season two their relationship was really on the rocks but uh you're you're bringing yeah. up that uh that jet actually helped repair that at the end of the last season then huh
9: because I think that's yeah. and george o actually both helped to get them back together,
5: okay.
1: Yeah she went down to sick bay with, with a medical emergency turned out to be. I just watched this Did episode today, her? matter of fact. She, yeah, she had a hangnail, and she went down and told Colbert his whole story about her wife who died during the Klingon War, and you know that she he has a wonderful opportunity at a second chance and don't blow it. And she, she gave him this whole pep talk, and then uh, you know now season three comes along and obviously they've they've gotten over that rough patch. So that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I've got one more. i got one more clip I want to play for you guys before we go around the horn. I think I got the right clip. I hope I got the right <laughs>
5: clip.
1: Um, this is this is just entitled the rescue. So I hope it's not
5: Flash. <laughs>
10: ah. Tractor beam. They grabbed hold of our ship. Comms are back online, Commander. And we're being hailed. Shields are also back online.
6: Weapons armed and ready. What do you want us to do?
4: Open a channel, Mr. Bryce. We will face whatever or whomever has come for us together. Channel open. On view screen, please.
0: I've been looking for so long.
4: You, you're, you look
9: through.
0: I landed here a year ago. I've been waiting for all of you all this time.
1: So that's the end of the episode. So I came, I got it right, finally.
5: (laughs) Yeah. a little bit of out, of,
1: out of order, but I got it right at the end. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
1: so uh, let, let's, let's go around the room and get our final score and see what, how we stacked up with our fans on our truck talking page. And we'll start off with you, Eric. What would you give this episode on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best?
3: Uh, I think there are some really good parts about this episode. The the whole Zara story did feel a little bit tropey to me, uh, but I love the optimism and I love the way that Michael shows up at the end of the episode. So I'm going to give this episode
1: a solid 8.5. 8.5. How about you, Charles?
2: I think I agree with Eric. I think there's a the little things that could have been done, but this was still a good episode, 8.5.
1: Eight point five. How about you, Nate? Well, uh,
8: last week I was pretty meh about it until the the very end of the uh, episode. Uh, this one I thought was much better than uh, than episode one. Uh, I I find it kind of interesting that this was not uh, Hope Part Two. Uh, last episode was yeah. called something about Hope. Uh, I don't remember the exact title, but it was Part yeah. One. And this was not part two. Um, but uh, overall, I would say this, for me, this was a, uh, as I said, much better than episode one. So I'd, I'd go a seven or an eight uh, myself for it.
1: How about <laughs> you, David?
5: Well, I'm going to have to give it a trouble because I'm having trouble remembering this episode. <laughs>
9: um, okay. Michael wasn't in this one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess
3: I'm
1: going to have to go with my guts and say about 7.5. Mm-hmm. If you can't remember it, I guess that sums it up, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, I'm going to have to rewatch okay. it, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this episode I probably watched more. I, I think I watched this one five or six times because I just love wow. the Giorgio fight. That blew me away. I, I can't say enough about it. I think that Michelle Yeoh is a fantastic actress. I love her. Yep. And that fight scene in the bar and and Saru shooting out his killer spying, I loved it. I absolutely just loved it. So I'm going to go with a nine on this one. I actually love and those what, what, weapons that they had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah, the,
3: the second century weapons are so cool. I, I, they have so many various options that that have been coming out, and some of them are kind of like uh, wide area weapons that take out a whole bunch of people. And then there's um, these things that you can kind of like semi torture people with. It's interesting because they're guns that they had. I thought a little bit uh, about the. Um, Oh my gosh, I have just lost my sight the the, the the mirror the agonizers, yes, the agonizers from yeah. the
5: mirror universe.
8: They seemed like a taser type weapon to me too.
5: Yeah.
1: <laughs> they were interesting. And uh mm-hmm. Charles, what was our overall fan score? How close did we come? <laughs> the fan score than 9.
9: I don't get okay. the
7: score.
2: Uh, so we're yeah, oh, We're a so little you lower then.
1: Well no. I, I forgot, Shannon. I thought yeah, see I'm old and senile. That's why you gotta stay on top of me.
9: <laughs> no, no, think. it's fine. I'm like, it's fine. I don't it's fine.
1: <laughs> Where so what's your score? So what, I, what do you think?
9: Well I, I it's gonna be a lot higher than your rolls, but you know, Lord X is kinda not really my thing. This is a nine point three because it reminds me why we like Starfleet. Like they they go to their values no matter yeah. what. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I on nine point three. Not
8: a fan of lower decks,
9: huh? And well, I, okay, I liked it because of the, this year, but it's not my thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I can. So nine point three, which is higher I than say, anything I scored lower decks.
3: Yeah, oh. and it's it's they do this episode in particular really stresses I think Federation values because I think they're setting up mm-hmm. the fact that in the future the Federation values are gone, and so of course. Right. You know, we've got Michael but you in have the told your to own values. Like, I'll bring him back. That's
1: right. That's
3: right. Yeah. Well,
1: guys, uh, believe it or not, that that finishes up our show. The time just flies. Yeah. I don't know how we're going to squeeze the Mandalorian Aww. and Star Trek all into one show. It's going to be interesting to squeeze it all together, but we'll make it happen. Why? So I want to say <laughs> uh, absolutely say thank you to Nate for calling in, chatting with us tonight. Nate, thank you very much. You're welcome. And I definitely got to say thank you to David for calling and chatting with us, too. Thank you, David. You're <laughs> welcome. And, of course, we, we forget Shannon because Shannon got to call in and share her experiences at the Janeway Monument unveiling. So thank you very much, Shannon.
9: You're welcome. And always glad to talk to you all.
1: Mm-hmm. And, of course, what would truck Talking be without my awesome truck Spurts? Thank you for hanging out with us tonight, Eric. <laughs>
3: You better believe it, guys. It was so fun to hang out, and thank you all three of you for calling in. It was so cool to have three people on the line tonight. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and of course, last but not least, Charles. Thank you very much, Charles.
2: Oh, thank you. All enjoy. Always enjoy. Uh, always enjoy Trek talking, talking Trek. Great to have our three people on, and I'll probably see Nate tomorrow and do some gaming.
8: That's right. That's right. Oh, I got I got to tell you my opinion of episode three since I've already watched it. Yes.
9: Yes. Anything? I really want to, but no. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah.
9: So listen,
1: guys, uh, don't forget to turn your clocks back on Halloween after you get done trick or treating, and don't forget on Halloween night to hang out here with yours truly and Charles for a Halloween spooktacular. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some really good songs to play, some really good music, some music from some of our favorite horror movies, and some fun stuff that might surprise you. We're going to be here for just about two hours playing some fun stuff, so hang out with us and make us your soundtrack for Halloween. And please make sure you tune in on Sunday night at 7 o'clock for Stunt Treks with yours truly and the one and only Leslie Hoffman. You never know what we're going to talk about. AJ, get down. You never know what we're going to talk about, but uh, we usually end up talking about Planet. of... My cat is just being terrible. Um,
3: he's a maniac. We always end.
1: He is. He's. He knows the show is almost over, and he's, he's going to be a pain. like right a queen. End. As a queen, uh, we usually end up talking mm-hmm. about Planet of the Apes somewhere along the line. So you want to make sure you tune in for Stunt Tracks. With Leslie Hoffman and myself, please visit our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond. Spell that all out. Tell us where you're from. We'll get you on the air. Absolutely. I'm the most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying hailing frequencies are closed. Please stay safe and be good to each other. Good night, everybody.
0: Good night. Good night. All right. And vote. Personal log, Commander Michael Burnham. started 865 211.3. Automatic transmission to USS Discovery, wherever or whenever it might be. I'm sending this message because you need to know what I've learned here. I hope that by some miracle you will receive it someday. 700 years after we left, their lithium supplies dried up. The Federation trialed alternative warp drive designs, but none proved reliable. Then came the burn. No one knows how or why it happened, but in an instant, all Dilithium went inert. Any ship with an active warp core detonated. Federation as we know it disappeared overnight. It's now just a shadow of its former self. We didn't give everything for this version of the future, and I'll be damned if I let it stand. I've become a courier. I transport goods in exchange for Dilithium to keep exploring sector by sector searching for clues as to what caused the burn. Answers that might help to bring the Federation together again. Wherever I go, I look for you, my friends. I listen for any sign of your arrival. But communication remains severely limited. Even if I did find you, I know it would be different. Because I am different. But I will always love you. I've had to accept I may never see you again. You can love someone and still let them go.